0: Have you started watching The Haunting of Hill House yet? I knew you would ask that, and I have watched it, finished it, and restarted it again the second time. Holy shit. You did that fast. It's so good. I watched five episodes on Saturday and five on Sunday, and then Sunday night, um, I had uh, Sarah watch the first episode with me. Uh, again, and she actually really liked it. It's so good. It's brilliant. I love it. Uh, I'm
1: only, I've watched the first four, I think, um, but I was out of town up until yesterday, and so I like was watching it on planes and stuff like that, but I was talking to one of my coworkers who blew through the whole thing like you did, and mm-hmm. he he's like, you know, a 40-year-old man with a five-year-old. And he was talking about how he woke up in the middle of the night and like to take his dog out and like couldn't fall back asleep because there was one specific scene that was like haunting him in his head oh, after that God. show. So like now I'm super. I gotta finish it so I can know which one he's talking about. But it's
0: it's so good. It's you know it's like a Where's Waldo for ghosts, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike Flanagan, the guy who wrote it, directed it. He said um, he wants people to watch the first five episodes two times through before they finish the series. Mm, so you're gonna that's why you're watching again you
1: catch some of those extra things. I love uh, it when there's layers just, like that. Yeah.
0: I'm looking for all the ghosts in the background. It's so good. It's like you're crying one moment about this family drama and then you're scared shitless the next minute. It's so great. <sighs> like God, honestly like American so. Horror Story should take a you know page out of Mike Flanagan's book. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> Anyway. Uh, well, that was a good. Well, that was recommended to us by Steven on Facebook, but I already kind of had it on my radar. But you know, it's I always good to hear people other. People too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to hear other people's uh, uh, testimonials. So that's, yes, everyone that's should cool. go watch that show. Okay. So good. Well, on that note, shall we begin?
0: Let's do it. <laughs>
1: Good evening everybody and welcome to This American Horror Story, the unofficial podcast, an unofficial podcast of the FX <laughs> show. About the FX show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Hueste. What's up everyone? How's it going? We are here on C- episode 6 of Apocalypse, past the halfway point officially. Um and Man, do we have a hell of an episode to talk about! It is one we've been waiting for for a long time. I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. Before we dive in, um, a couple of other small things of note. You know, we always talk about you know continuing the conversation on Facebook and doing so over email and all those different kind of things. And we had a couple things that I wanted to touch on um, that were comments and different things from yeah from our Facebook page actually this week. First one being that, um, I think it was Rosie posted on Facebook. We were kind of discussing a little bit last episode, you know, why Nan was the missing witch, right? Mm Mm-hmm, right. And how Cordelia had said, oh, my girls are back. And we were like, uh, you're definitely forgetting Nan. Well, um, Rosie pointed out that Nan's gift was clairvoyance, which means that, you know, she would be able to not only know that Michael's kind of a evil dude, but also know that he had plans to end the world and all this kind of stuff. And it would have... We, w- we wouldn't have even needed this episode with all the background information because she would have just absorbed it immediately. So right. basically, it's kind of a plot-saving device because otherwise, it, it makes things more complicated for the witches if Nan's power was was there. Um, so that was a good observation. The second thing was... And we talked a little bit... Of, to kind of like skirted around this, I think... Um, But I don't know if we outright said it. Theander on Facebook mentioned, basically made a case for how Michael is a demon. Well, not a demon, but possessed by a demon. And thus not the alpha leaving the door open for another supreme that's not Michael. Um, Therefore, you know, as we talked about potentially being Mallory. Um, I think there's obviously, I don't know, further, further evidence in this episode that Michael might I guess I don't know. If possessed is the right word or not, but that he's not a warlock in the traditional sense, obviously. Right. Uh, so, without further ado, I want to dive into episode six, titled "Return to Murder House," A.K.A. Um, the the Paulson as dubbed by Ryan Murphy on Twitter. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, that's hinting—not hint—it's not hint. it's not, uh, not so much hinting. It's pretty much forthright um, saying that this episode was, of course, directed by Sarah Paulson. Yay! Um, and we had mentioned that uh, back in the preview, there's also going to be an episode this season directed by Evan Peters. Not sure which one it is, but so we should keep an eye open for that as well. Um, and you pointed out to me during the show that a lot of the cast was doing some live tweeting. Uh, did were, you glean any, Did you glean any interesting insights, or was it more just kind of cheering along, Sarah Paulson?
0: It was a It was a lot of people cheering on Sarah Paulson, retweeting um, fans. They were retweeting a bunch of fans who had amazing gifts that they were using. Uh, and uh, a few just you know excited comments but nothing that I saw that gave us some more insight uh, with the exception of um, of one that Evan uh, uh, Peters did where he mentioned that we don't know if ghosts uh, survive the apocalypse or not interesting he seemed to he seemed to not know the answer to that so he posed it to uh, ryan murphy he tweeted to ryan murphy and said what do you think do they survive in the apocalypse
1: interesting so maybe we don't see a murder i mean this might be our one and only glimpse of murder house and the characters within right before we bust into the cold open, I did forget to mention uh, or ask you what you're
0: drinking this evening, and I'm asking for a very personal reason. <laughs> I made a promise last week, and I'm I'm coming through on that promise. I got some uh, cider here with a uh, quite a big splash of um, uh, four roses. What do you got? I've got four roses as well
1: in my cider, mm. but as always, you're you're drinking warm cider and I'm drinking cool cider. So nice. We're on the clearly we're on the other side of fall right now. Right. which is great. <laughs> well, not on the other side. We're in the midst of it, but we're in it. Thank goodness! Loving these cool, cool temperatures and turning trees. <laughs> it just fall just feels like American Horror Story to me.
0: Oh, I know. T- tonight, like tucking into the episode with the weather, I was, I was I was pumped. I love this. Here we go.
1: So let's start off talking about Madison and behold becoming uh, the the Joneses. Is what I think that their family, their fake. I think it was James. James, James, the James, uh, the new owners of the murder house, as Madison puts
0: it. Uh, The worst possible version of Heidi Klum and Seal. (laughs) So great. Their fashion is fierce in this, though. They are on point. I forgot how I mentioned it last week, but uh, Coven has some of the best fashion. Yeah. Uh,
1: And then, of course, we have this realtor who's, like, super surprised that anyone's interested in this house. Um, I think he says that 36 murders have occurred in the house. Yep. I, I don't think. I mean, I don't. I didn't go to the effort of tallying up as many as we know and the ones we don't know but... if we had
0: more time we would do that yeah i don't even I'm I, don't, sure. I think there's
1: probably some unaccounted for ones in there too
0: oh for sure like the two women we meet later i don't think that they would you know there's no real there's no body find. i guess two bodies to
1: find. Cr- right. yeah 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 that's so true those, i'm sure those someone on reddit will figure
0: out like do the count and figure out what it is exactly yeah
1: i guess you know however many michael killed before they he left right. too that that, that could yeah. have added a fair number um, and you know, thirty six is the ones they know they know about, I guess. So that's interesting, too. Uh, before we really dive in, obviously, one thing I want to ask you is, we have this pairing of Madison and behold. And after kind of going through the entire episode now that you're fletting back, was there significance to this pairing? Is there anything I, to it?
0: I think um, it was great to see Madison there, because we did get some good character development from her, uh, which we didn't really get a lot of, um, well not this season so far obviously, but it was nice to see her be developed more, seeing different shades of her character, so I I like that we got her even questioning why she was picked, uh, and mentioning that this is her third chance at life, and she wants to use it wisely and not fuck it up. So I, I I get that choice there, and Emma Roberts is a fun character to be our vehicle or our vessel to go visit all these characters and have that kind of snarky judgment, uh, where uh, where you know that she's going to call a spade a spade, or you know, and she does. So she's a great character for that. Behold, we don't know very well, so it was interesting to pair him with Madison uh, as a kind of a fun, also um, you know. Uh, skeptical character i guess and the reason he gets picked i think is just because they needed one of the um uh warlocks to buy into the whatever madison was going to find out otherwise they wouldn't believe her uh, when she came back and told cordelia so maybe that they picked him because of that um what did you have a theory
1: no it was i mean the reason i just posed that question is it was something i was thinking about the end especially thinking about how we did get such significant character development from madison and Mm -hmm. some obviously some for behold too although to a lesser degree right and it makes me wonder excuse me especially when you have madison kind of going through this whole um character trajectory where she's kind of becoming you know maybe like a softer more um compassionate person on her third chance at life i guess um whether there's any meaning to that beyond this episode, you know, whether that holds any value in in the second half of the season. Right. I don't know, but I don't know the answer to that, but just interesting thing to contemplate when you're looking at these characters, but definitely a fun pairing regardless there was some good banter back and forth between the two of them as we expected. <laughs> Uh, so obviously, when they get in the house and they start exploring, the first thing they have to do to get the spirits to not show themselves but to be able to see the spirits is Billy Porter's brought his, his bag of magic, which I thought was pretty, a pretty cool little like medicine yeah. bag of a knife and all these little powders and things. And they perform this little blood ceremony. The first spirit we see, from you know, as our kind of callback, is I, one of the nurses who was killed. I believe it's Gladys. Um, she was killed by the. Um, the murder that takes place in episode two of murder house called home invasion. It's where the person shows up at the house with a head injury and the nurses let him No, Is that right? Yeah. And they let him inside and then, yeah, yeah, that's correct. And then he, they let him inside and then he turns out not to actually have a head injury and he murders them both brutally. And then you have an episode, you know, in the current day, you have these people who are like trying to, follow the footsteps and like they try to do the same thing to vivian and violet and i think tate ends up killing helping to kill them basically um but anyway so so we're back in and seeing these old characters immediately that's the first glimpse and it's kind of one of those creepy glimpses that you see in horror movies all the time where it's like a doorway and you see someone just like walking and, walk by. and looking or something I, uh, but
0: it's oh, a trope movie. but
1: super scary i like it Yeah, then I think on the stairs we see uh, two Fireburn girls who I believe are the daughters of Larry Harvey. That's Dennis O'Hare's character. Right. Right, who set his family on fire um, because the house was, like, speaking to him or whatever. Uh, And then we get, um, although no sign of Larry himself, but I don't think he was a spirit caught in the house. And then we get um, Tate and Ben Harmon, which... Yay, I thought that this was a fun way to kind of see them again. They're caught in this perpetual therapy is what it makes yes, it seem like, which that. is in a way its its own form of hell kind of. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's some good lines in here. Uh, ben Harmon's line to Tate when he's complaining about Violet not talking to him is, What do you want me to say? You set fire to your mom's boyfriend. You shot and killed over a dozen kids in high school. You helped kill her parents. Plus you helped impregnate her mother. <laughs> it's like <laughs> hard to argue with much of that. Yep. And so this many years later, Violet and Vivian are still ignoring the two of them. Although we know that Vivian... Violet's been perpetually ignoring Tate. Vivian... And hasn't even appeared,
0: the, really, it seemed.
1: Well, it sounds like maybe her and Ben had an okay thing until he started spending time with Michael. Is that what That's, I interpreted right. that as? Right. Um, that was just my interpretation. Because least. the
0: last we saw them, they were having like a lovely ghost Christmas party.
1: Yeah, at the end. With Jeffrey, the other... Michael's twin that's actually Vivian and Ben's child mm-hmm. um, Madison says in this scene when they like they're surprised that you know, they They can see her. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at two powerful witches. And I mm-hmm. thought this was interesting because they say, there's a couple different times in this episode where, I don't know if it's always Madison, but I, I think that Behold even maybe says witches at one point, but maybe it's just Madison. Huh. But it's a subtle commentary, I think, on kind of the power of language. The same way that, like, in language when we say, like, uh, you guys, we could be talking about a group of, you know, men and women. Yeah. But that's just like, we always talk about that people talk about you kind of the patriarchal language there well this is a reversal of that and i think it's interesting because in this world of wizard was witches and warlocks witches are more powerful and so you know they have the power so if you have a group of a wizard and a witch they're witches not warlocks right which i thought that's was kind a, of a cool little subtle that. thing
0: that's a great pickup yeah it's it's definitely the role reversal from the typical language that we use uh in society That being said, maybe we start coming up with gender neutral terms for, for magical people (laughs) that, yeah, non-binary magical people, please. Thank you.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that's a good place to start. And then we, you know, both of them say they can't really help, uh, beholden Madison and Ben has to go look out the window and cry and masturbate. Uh,
0: I I do love what he says. He's like, what do you like? Cause Madison doesn't really threaten them but when she says we're two magical witches here uh he's like what are you gonna do make us more dead mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he does say i've got to go out the, uh, look out the window and masturbate and then we get the best line or second best line i think um uh, from billy porter from behold which is they're talking about ben Harmon, and he's like oh the tearjerker <laughs> <laughs> that's so great i can't believe we never thought about that before that was a pretty good pun,
1: that's for sure. And of course, remember the, remembering the last we saw Ben. Well, the way Ben was killed is by Hayden at the very end of this, um, or of of season one. Uh, although we don't see Hayden, but we do see her bones, by the way, coming up. Uh, and then at the same time, you also have Madison. Kind of, f- you see these glimpses of her. You know, um, being a kinder person throughout. She's kind of feeling for Tate and his romantic strategy at this point in time. Um, then we see another uh, character from seasons past. The red ball bounces down the stairs, and we see Bo. You know who that is? Yep, uh, Constance's other son, uh, Tackle Madison, and Billy Dean Howard just happens to be there to, to see. be there. Sneaks in quietly. So then, of course, we have the big reveal, and, well, not the big reveal, but like the moment we've all been waiting for. And Constance Langdon comes down the stairs and says, I'm Constance, Constance Langdon, and this is my fucking house.
0: Boom. Episode could now, have ended f- there. With, I would have given it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's I was going to ask. For you, did this live up to your expectations? This is something we've been waiting for. It's the big Jessica Lang return. Of course, we're excited about Ben Harmon and Vivian and all these other characters. But really, everyone knows that we were really excited for Jessica Lang to return. She hasn't been Absolutely. in the season since Freak Show? Yeah. I think you're right, because mm-hmm, I think Hotel was next, right?
0: So, yeah, yeah. It, what was? What do you think? It was great. I mean, we we get, and I think Sarah Paulson did a great job of uh, framing the shot too. So as as Constant Langdon coming down the stairs, she's got her cigarette, she's got her attitude, um, and the episode or the 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 scene right there cuts right before the commercial break, which is perfect because I was fist pumping and I didn't want to have to hit re- instant replay three more times to uh, uh go back and listen to what I missed. It was great. It's like an iconic scene with a great line uh, from from Jessica Lang. so I think I think it lived up to the to the entrance as the as the show tends to do a good job with uh, what do you think?
1: I of course I was thrilled to see Jessica Lang back, thrilled to see Constance back. The only thing that I would say that took away from this scene for me and I'm gonna feel bad saying it is Billy Dean Howard. I was like, I felt like she didn't need to be in this episode. I didn't see that there was any good reason for her character to be there. I felt like it took away from Constance's thunder. I did not
0: like that one bit. I wish that it was just Constance coming down the stairs. I'm shaking my head yes. like I I do, or nodding my head yes. I agree. Like, I wasn't going to go there too much yet, but Billy Dean Howard had no purpose. I mean, it's great to see Sarah Paulson play one of her characters, uh, but this one, just with the exception of... um, the kind of exchange with Madison where it's sort of funny, where she's like, "Oh, you recognize me from my movies, <laughs> yeah." Um, and the one reference that she did make, which is like, "Oh, I, I've known a f- two, one or two Montgomerys before," and I thought we were going to get a connection there. Yeah, but uh, then just ultimately at again. Yeah, and then ultimately it was nothing. So I, I agree. I it it was a little too like introducing like four or five people, and then boom, then we get Just Colan real quick, as opposed to maybe a buildup would have been a, a little bit nicer. To, to it, well, and that's her. it.
1: it Exactly, because it comes too quickly after just just seeing Billy Dean Howard again. I felt like. I felt like if you had Bo, like the ball comes bouncing bouncing down the stairs, Bo comes out, and then like Jessica Lang makes this dramatic entrance along the stairway, like she like she did, but without the in between with Billy Dean Howard, I think it would have been that much more powerful, and I would have liked it even better. That said, of course, I was I thought it was great to, to have that entrance. It, yeah, again, I'll I take remember. it any way you give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, of course, in this in this. After you know, perpetual uh, uh, basically limbo that they're stuck in. Moira's still there, constantly bugging <laughs> um, Constance. She's more sassy than she was in the original. Murder she House. was,
0: yeah. I guess like uh, being a ghost for that many years, you finally grow tired of of bullshit and uh, <laughs> will step up and stand up for yourself every now and then.
1: Well, and she she she's the first one that kind of insinuates that Constance killed herself, and you Mm -hmm. get the impression that like Constance being dead and also being stuck in the house and not having the you know not lording over her the fact that she's still alive or anything anymore kind of empowered Moira to some degree. Um, And then we kind of get this little interlude that is them um, get freeing Moira's you know spirit from the house in order to placate Constance, right? And that includes yeah she's yeah.
0: like if you want me to spill the tea you gotta uh, get rid of the maid and i love that madison's like you want us to fire the help yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's like yeah abracadabra that bitch out of my life <laughs> and then you get a very
1: madison moment where she's just standing there smoking while
0: behold is having to dig dig up the bodies oh yeah and I, I think a- for this episode we're gonna have to do how many uh cigarettes <laughs> do you give it as i already yeah, there's a lot of smoking
1: oh, oh yeah between her, between Madison and Constance the yep. two of them i think Billy Dean was smoking too yep. um, so they 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 find a skull it's not Moira's mm-hmm. uh, of course the assumption would be i think that it is Hayden's skull because that was the original body that was buried in kind of the same spot as Moira's and that's why um, Larry then suggest, or like Larry's the one who killed Hayden, actually, but that's why they ended up building Ben built the gazebo to like hide the bodies. There, remember? Mm -hmm. So I did wonder what happened to
0: that gazebo. Who knows? I guess. Yeah, I didn't pay attention well enough. I didn't notice if it was maybe maybe it was a different location that wasn't Hayden. I don't know. And we just took the gazebo. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well,
1: but it. But I mean, it wasn't that spot either. Either way, Moira's body was beneath the gazebo. Right. Because right. in Murder House, there's this. After, when the gazebo is getting built, there's this, like a Moira's like staring out the window crying because she knows she's trapped there for forever. So right. that gazebo's gone. Who knows? Maybe Michael set it on fire or something like that. Or maybe all that hail damage that when they yeah. have that <laughs> that day like broke it all down, they just ripped it up. Um, and then we have kind of the touching moment where Madison presents Moira with her bones. She's forever thankful, and they bury her with her mother. Um, question for you You know after they leave we see moira and her mother um kind of have this reconciliation so now that they're not in the murder house are they in another plane of existence because they're not ghosts in the same way
0: right so are we seeing the afterlife here i suppose i need to know the rules more about what it means to be a ghost and then you know there's always the whole like crossing over thing um i don't know why that they're still around or what what we do see is them holding hands after moira confesses that she was the one who pulled the plug and mom was actually thankful that she did it because she was paying blah 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 they hold hands and they kind of walk off and disappear into the mist so we could assume that that's maybe them i don't know crossing over but uh, but she says it's a beautiful place so it makes it sound like she's stuck there forever i i don't know why that they would um they would still be around yeah, we need this another is another.
1: Voice. This is another scene for me where, while like I appreciate the closure, closure for Moira, a character that we've known since season one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's also a character we haven't visited since season one, mm-hmm. and like you know i i felt like we could have been just fine leaving it at her grave being buried with her mother and not having the interaction with her and her mother another like it,
0: three minutes yeah after that yeah, yeah.
1: That, that like it just didn't seem necessary the mother's a character we only see very briefly in season one i think that um on halloween moira able to you know leave the murder house and go visit her mother in person and that's when she pulls a plug on her um i don't know it i i get what it was trying to do but it felt like a bit of a waste of time to me in this episode where it was like i wanted to get back to the murder house and like the characters that i know and it was more exciting to see
0: and i was thinking during this scene as well this doesn't work if you haven't seen the previous seasons like why would anyone give two shits about moira and her mom and you know if you've never seen season one this is Gonna be weird to you, or you, it won't make sense. It's a, it's definitely not compelling because you've only seen Mora in one scene, and she was being sassy to Constance. That was it, you know. So it doesn't work if you haven't seen the previous seasons. And that's frankly, this whole episode's like that, which works for us because we've seen them and we love it. But other people who are coming into it would probably be confused. Totally true.
1: Although, I mean, anybody who's watching now and hasn't seen Murder House, yeah. should definitely <laughs> go watch Murder House. I would because love, love to meet I, the
0: person who's starting with uh, season eight. <laughs>
1: I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there are. Yeah. You know, every time someone stumbles across it. But if you're if you are listening for the first time, now, now I hope I hope you feel compelled to go see Murder House and uh, to yeah. go watch Murder House and Coven too, of course. But mm-hmm. I've always said Murder House is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, then we there's a moment where we kind of have a little bit of uh, we continue to get this character development we talked about with Madison. She's talking about the mm-hmm. time she had to do her first nude scene. Um, you know, and, and how she'd want to haunt the studio producer who just wanted to, like, is his rock. So she kind of... It's like her own kind of Me, Me too. too movement. Yeah. Uh, little th- you know, those little shades of politics that we always see Ryan Murphy throw in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Behold seems to be helping to tease out kind of the, you know, softer, in- softer interior side from, from mm-hmm. under, beneath the cold shell. Do you think... So it- there's
0: any foreshadowing happening here because we're getting a lot of you know sweet things about madison and generally when that happens in some tv shows that's right that means they're gonna die soon um and obviously we see madison in the quote-unquote present but lest we forget we're in another flashback flashback um but do you think there's any foreshadowing here about madison's ultimate death or where she'll end up you know i was thinking i don't we know we see Madison
1: in the present, you know, helping mm-hmm. to revive our three witches that were killed by um, apples. Yeah, by the apples. Um, I almost wonder, so we, we know we haven't seen, at least not at this point, Behold in the the present day post-apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. So maybe what ends up happening, this is just a theory, is that Behold is killed by Michael Effectively going and researching this to betray him, and maybe because they developed a relationship, and Behold has kind of helped like to soften Madison, or at least been there to see her soften. She gets like more pissed and more, you know, um, turned against Michael because of, right. you know, she, basically she, you know, her and Behold become close, and then right. him Michael killing Behold like really kind of sets her off or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I could. So maybe that. that that's a that's one potential guess. I don't know. Um, so with more gun, obviously, Constant starts to spill the beans on Michael, and we get some some kind of flashbacks to life in the murder house post um, when after Michael was born. Well, we see Vivian giving birth to Michael, and then she dies in in the childbirth.
0: Mm-hmm. Percy's um, one.
1: Yeah, and we have Constance explain the connection to Tate and that there were were mistakes made in in raising Tate. So, you know, Michael was the planned do-over. There's a scene that his... So I'm guessing that Constance at this point is still in the house next door because there's a scene where Michael's crib is in a room full of mirrors. And I believe this is the room
0: that... um, Addie got sent to.
1: Yeah, that Constance would stick Adelaide into like see herself and be like, uh, you know, like a very cruel. It was like a punishment, like
0: carry. Yeah, room. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: it, yeah, or like, like uh, exactly. Um, and so they must have still been in the house next door at this point. And you know, Michael's. We find out one of those kids who who kills animals. She kind of says mm-hmm. that you know, Jeffrey Dahmer was one of those kids that started yep. killing animals when he was young. Um, started to give her presents you know, pieces of animals. She had to bury them in the backyard with all these rose bushes. And as he gets older, we knew where that con- scene
0: was going. Eventually the whole yard covered. We knew that was coming. <laughs> so many rose bushes. Yep. I
1: thought that there was a good line from here. That was just
0: interesting. You
1: know, hearkening back to her character from season one. I was put on this earth to raise monsters. Yes. Um, yes.
0: Which was, you know, Michael made her realize she was put on this earth to raise the monsters. That's such a great line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and she comes home to the flayed
1: animals. And then obviously we do see that whole yard full of bushes. And then we see the first kill, which is that babysitter. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's a scene that we actually see at the end of Murder House. Um, that's like the, I, th- I think it's the final scene. I'm trying to remember. Um, I know I just watched this recently. It's, <laughs> I I think it's the final scene as we see, you know, Michael as a baby having like with blood all over him
0: having committed a murder. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, and then, I like that at know, this point also, uh, as Constance is telling the story, she said, "You know, I thought maybe he would just—he's just one of your garden variety serial killers, or maybe like a really special serial killer."
1: Yeah, well, she, we know she's not that bothered by it. She didn't seem that bothered by the fact that take carried out a school shooting. Yeah, Jesus. She's like, "Oh, it's, I've, I've had other serial killers. What's one more? One more red <laughs> run of the
0: mill serial killer? <laughs> garden variety serial killer? <laughs>
1: yeah." And then, of course, over the night, Michael ages a decade. Now, I think that this is... Um, you know, this is something we were worrying, we were wondering about with the timeline when this season yep. began. So at least it's something that's being addressed, even if it yep. doesn't really sense. fully explain like, why that's happening. She does mention something that's interesting. She says that it was like he was hurrying to get to a special age. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Or maybe one of our listeners does, like, to, is the Antichrist, like...
0: Predicted to be a certain of a certain age or something like that. I mean, that's a good question. I don't know that. That's a really good question. I kind of assumed that they aged them overnight just so they could keep the actors roughly the same. Like it, everything would make sense timeline wise, so they could expedite this season, this crossover season, while the characters are still in with like you know you don't have to age up the characters like any of the witches or anything uh, or um, any of the ghosts. Not that they would age. Um, kind of a cheat, but. I would love it if there's an actual reason.
1: Right. No, I agree. It seemed to me like a plot convenience, but that line made me wonder if there was something more to it. I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, of course, she wakes up being strangled by Michael, um, who didn't seem to realize that it was like a different part of him was doing it at that point in time. Um, you know, and he seems upset even. He's crying. And yeah, this is what makes me wonder. Like, this is this is the kind of scene that makes the case to me for some kind of possession. I mean, you know, I had mentioned feeling bad for Michael in in past seasons and, and you I think you were like no way Michael's like he's he's an evil piece of shit and everyone on I there's people panning me on social media and stuff too they were like no Michael's Michael's evil is hell I'll get up um, yeah and I was thinking like ah but yeah but I felt bad for him at that time and this too it's like there's still a side to him that's, like, not necessarily a bad person. Like, he doesn't go full bad until he eats that human heart. You know what I mean? Even, he's killing people and stuff, but it's like there's a part of him that doesn't know what it's doing. It's, you know, he still has, like, the mental maturity of a five-year-old or whatever he was. So, I don't know. I mean, I have a question for you regarding that later. But, so, you know, Constance springs in the exorcist and Michael kills the priest, and that seems to be kind of when Constance learns that Michael's beyond saving. Right. So she returns to the murder
0: house to kill herself before Michael does. Uh, I like the way she says this too. Real quick. Let me back up just real quick. That whole scene after the, uh, when she's getting choked and uh, Michael asks her for a glass of water and she corrects his uh, grammar. That is, I mean, they should just hand Jessica Lange the Emmy right now for guest appearance uh, on a tv miniseries or movie because that that whole sequence she just shows why she is who she is and not that cody fern isn't a good actor he's fine there's sometimes in this one in this episode where i'm like eh, maybe he's not as good as i thought he was (laughs) but jessica lang just murders that um scene with with cody as as she's like crying and like wiping his tear Uh, i mean the the episode was worth it for that wow Mm-hmm. and then but i do and, like also that she says you know her decision to to kill herself is is because she didn't want to let any man do that to her she goes out on her own on her terms for her life no man was ever going to take her life and that, that was pretty cool very she has Constance. The power. that's right very constant and
1: i actually i thought that this was a pretty cool like was this great. was a good scene good scene yeah. too where she's drinking like d- taking the whiskey and pills and she's kind of dancing and her soul's being bound to the house yep Uh, until she dies and comes back to you know look right in the face of tate and beau and also uh her fourth child so her kids are tate beau adelaide and this fourth child who i don't think we ever actually see in season one it's just hinted at i was gonna say
0: i did not i was like who's that person i was like oh yeah she had four kids but then i i didn't want to sound like an idiot i'm glad you you brought it up because i'm like oh shit am i supposed to know who that kid was yeah,
1: this kid we you know we never learned the name or anything in season one, and then this kid appears here. So it's a kid that did die on the premises of the right. house, obviously. Um, her eyes are missing. Her <laughs> eyes are missing. Uh, but I don't even think this is a detail we we got at season one about what happened to this kid. It's just like a missed. It's just like a creepy ass mystery, and we don't know what happened, which I kind of like. It's like there's not closure there in a way, and that's kind of cool. Leaves it
0: open for another episode
1: crossover, maybe. Or it just, like, is creepy and it's mystery. Either way. We'll just leave it at be. Yep. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought this scene was was beautiful and and kind of tragic. And that's,
0: you know, the end. Well, and she says right here, she never wanted to see her grandson again, though. Like, she was happy to see her kids, but she never wanted to see her grandson again. Right. It's, It's Yeah, like, the killing of the priest really set her off. Which I
1: thought seemed maybe a little dramatic
0: to me. Yeah, that was a little much. But that's, I mean, that's classic american horror story sure i did like when Um, she comes out of her telling her story she says was it everything you dreamed of witchy poos (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: i mean so
0: thinking about thinking about we get
1: we get michael's story in three sections constance ben vivian yep and i'm trying to think i was trying to think to myself you know what do we get from constance's
0: portion of the story i love that you're going through with oh my god you're in my head
1: also, what do you think we get? Like, why? What is this first section from Constance?
0: What's the, you know, import behind it? I think this is ultimately one the character that last really saw Michael uh, as a as a when Michael was a or when um, Constance was a living human being. She was the last person to kind of interact with him in this world. She knew what that baby was as a human, whereas the other people who were in the house, the ghosts, saw. Michael only as like their next door neighbor. They didn't really know the upbringing and the aging overnight. So she catches up to catches us up to sp- speed on when he gets to a certain size and age. Um, I think it's also partially there just because Jessica Lang they, they could get her for one episode and let's use as much of her as we can. Um, and then ultimately we get a little bit of resolution for Constance's character. Um, which actually happens with a few of the characters in uh, Murder House, uh, which I think isn't necessary. But um, ultimately, that's, I think, what we get in the first wave of information from our first uh, ghost of past or whatever. <laughs>
1: yeah, I agree with you. I think that her purpose like, is clearly kind of connecting where we left Michael to kind of where things went with him under her care Um, seeing his growth obviously is important and important for the timeline to give some explanation to that. Also explaining a little bit more about the kind of roots of, I don't know. I think that there's something to seeing him as kind of this kid who is still so raw. And the fact that like, clearly like he's demonic, but at the same time, like doesn't go full evil yet. And that's just an interesting thing to me. I don't know. Yep. Like seeing it happen under the other two.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would say the next section, the Ben section i thought it was kind of pointless <laughs>
1: well so let's jump to ben's section obviously he's crying and masturbating when <laughs> they go and, and and pull him out of it <laughs> um he calls you know he calls michael his son which is interesting weird i don't You're, understand yeah. it
0: yeah your wife was um, rigged, sir like
1: <laughs> yeah i don't know why why he has that connection um but he decides he's going to be Michael's therapist basically after Constance dies and kind of fills him in on, you know, fills the gap, I guess, temporarily that Constance left being a caretaker of sorts, even though he can't leave the house. So I guess Michael's going to go buy his own groceries and do all that good stuff. Um, <laughs> you know, and Ben really believes that Michael had good in him and wanted to do good desperately. He says, uh, he plays this he's this father figure. Um, you know, they play games Uh, You know, that traditional murder house music plays in the background, which is so much fun to get back. So weird. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, and then you have the scene where Tate freaks out when Michael calls him dad. So it's interesting how you have on the one hand, you know, Ben, who's not his real father, is desperate to be his father. And Tate, who is biologically, though maybe not spiritually, is his father. Um, He's at least the vessel that you know bore him, Uh, is not interested and is pretty much disgusted by the fact that he created this thing.
0: And that's where we see the switch kind of flip for uh, Michael. It does.
1: And that's where it starts to make me think, like, okay, well, what pushed it? Like, maybe he would have been just like a, you know, just another guy who, well, not just another guy. He would have been a run-of-the-mill garden variety serial killer had he not really been pushed into this place of darkness. Um that kind of prompted all these other things to happen. But we started you know, he starts to do some even creepier stuff. We get this flash you know, he's in the basement, um, carving the black dahlia's mouth into a joker smile. That which I mean it's a surprise to see again. hmm Um then we see the you know the lesbian couple move in and Michael slaughters them in the rubber man suit. <laughs> kills them kills them immediately and then sets their souls on fire. Which is Yikes. I mean
0: Never seen that we, yet
1: no we see ghosts getting killed and i guess which is kind of funny because at the beginning like you said like ben was like what are you going to do kill us more and apparently that can really happen and it's something he witnessed firsthand so he should be a little bit more worried about that than maybe he is Um, but that's what makes ben eventually disown him as well and you have this kind of rejection by his real father rejection by his like surrogate father surrogate father rejection by his grandmother he kind of gets a series of rejection that seems to toss him down this path um, and that's when Vivian arrives to kind of give the third piece. And so you said you didn't get a whole lot from this Ben, um, right?
0: Segment. I think it was fan service to have Ben kind of come in and help you know guide us through this part of the episode, this whole expository episode. But um, I don't, I didn't glean a lot from this um, section. With the with with the one exception that um, Tate yelling at Michael like made him become even more evil like we, he's already killed human beings already i, I don't understand maybe it became more sadistic i guess i mean i, I
1: that, that's my take too is that like you know yeah michael killed people but it's like it seemed that the way he was killing people before was in like an almost like childlike manner they like he didn't really realize what he was doing almost like you know even the scene with the priest you like come in he's just playing video games and it's like mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of like you know Lenny from Of Mice and Men.
0: Like, oh, he accidentally, mm-hmm. like... You know, I mean, not all there in the head person.
1: I mean, just, just like, doesn't kind of understand the implications of his actions, almost, mm-hmm. at that point. Like, it's just, like, very childlike mentally. And then you have, you know, the thing, you know, the the rejection from Tate. And that kind of fueling him to be, like... I, I don't know. When he kills... The, the cup.
0: Just look at the flowers.
1: <laughs> yeah, when he kills the couple that moves in, I feel like that's when it's like that was when he burns their souls. That made it that much more evil, and it seemed like that much. It seemed like he really knew what he was doing, and he was really mm-hmm. causing these people like terrible pain, and that was intentioned at that point in time. And that was kind of the big switch flipping. So then Vivian comes in and straight up tells them that Michael is the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And we get this third portion. You know, murderers of crows were circling the house. It was sweltering hot inside the house. And these worshipers come to the house. And this is where we find out Michael's connection to Miss Mead, or the real Miss Mead, not the robot Miss Mead. And, you know, uh, we have the black pope of the Church of Satan. He's got his—Miss Mead's one of his cardinals. Uh, they followed a dark star, which I thought was kind of, you know, a reverse nativity. I don't know if that's actually something that's in the Bible or in—I don't know, the Satanic Bible or not, but— they follow this dark star and are there to show him his true path. So they're the ones that obviously kind of awaken the darkness that's provoked in him. But I do think that like him burning the souls is what really started to like make all this other antichrist. Like, I don't that know. Like, the, yeah, I think you're right. Well, well, here's the thing that I wonder is like, was he really the antichrist at this point? Like maybe he was just like a demon possessed thing. But it was like something, it wasn't until he like really went down this path that like he almost became the Antichrist. I don't know. Because it seems like, I don't know. It's kind of like a nature versus nurture type thing.
0: Right. Would he have become this person? Would the omens have been set in motion had he not lit those people's souls on fire and sent them wherever?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously he was killing people and stuff, but like we said, I, I don't know that like this seemed to have set him down a different
0: trajectory. Did you see who one of the Cardinals was?
1: Who one, Who the other one was? Yeah. No, I didn't recognize
0: her. Who was it? Oh, she's a returning character. Uh, not a returning character, a returning actress. Uh, one of our favorites. Was it Pepper? It was Pepper, Naomi Grossman. Uh, that was Pepper. Oh, well
1: she, oh good catch. She looks so different, of course. So that's why yeah. I didn't even... Didn't even occur to me. That's awesome. I mean, no one
0: else I recognize is that like tiny. <laughs> but that yeah, that was her. She she was tweeting during the episode as well.
1: Oh, cool. Okay. Now it's like I need to go back and rewatch it again.
0: Yeah. She was she was good
1: too. She's the one who administers the stabbing. So speaking of which, they had the black mass and they pick up that hitchhiker. Uh mm-hmm. don't fear the Don't Fear the Reaper on the radio. Love
0: it. Love blue Oyster Colt. That was great.
1: Fantastic. Um, and man, this is a really good go full on Game of Thrones. <laughs> This is a really dark scene where they stab her and pull out the still beating oh, heart and he, yeah. he he eats it like an apple and then you've got like the um The shadow demon. The, the shadow. Him. This scene was like very this whole section I thought was like excellently filmed by Sarah Paulson. Um,
0: yeah. All, very creepy, very moody. Very dark, morbid. Yeah, it was it was disturbing. She was great. She did a good job putting this together, I agree. Yeah.
1: And then, of course, he says, like, Father, I'm with you now. And that's when it seems like they're, they, like, finally, he's finally bonded with Satan and, and, and like, really. Yep. We are full on committed
0: to this now. He is the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, this little section ends with Vivian is going to kill him. <laughs> like, that's when I decided to kill him. It's like, that it sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> I don't think you're going to do that.
1: Yeah, apparently she's she hasn't been watching as he not only, you know, burning no to souls. each other. In this house? (laughs) Well, she's definitely not talking to Ben. And it does does kind of seem like no one talks to each other in this house. Violet doesn't talk to Tate. All this kind of stuff. Um, But, you know, she's about to get consumed by fire before Tate saves her. Uh, And, you know, this additional rejection now by his biological mother Mm
0: -hmm. drives
1: Michael away again. So he just continues these... Rejections continue. But, you know, she kind of has this interesting passage here where she talks about, you know, him being born by the evil in the house and how Tate is not his real father. Um, Ben's not his real father. It's like the house is the his house father. Is evil. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked, I think, back when we were in the episode where we flashed back to Hotel, we were talking mm-hmm. about how Hotel is a, um, a hellmouth, I think is what they called it. The Hotel right. Cortez. And we talked about the possibility of the murder house also being a hellmouth. And I think that this kind of proves it potentially like it, it makes it seem like clearly the house was a gateway to hell in some way or another and that's how this th- thing was able to emerge from this gateway
0: I think you're right and I think Ms. Mead or if that's her name as the cardinal um, she even mentioned something along the lines of this house is the location of the portal to hell of a portal to hell so yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah I mean they yeah they outright say it pretty much and then, of course, his episode ends with Madison trying to um, help of Crying Violet. She vouches for Tate. She explains that the house used him as a vessel, and he's really not such a bad guy. Yeah, he did that school shooting thing, but it wasn't really his fault. He was kind of possessed by the house and all this kind of stuff. And that his evil left when Michael left, basically. Which would it, it, like, seems like maybe that means the house doesn't have a whole lot of evil left in it, I guess, at that point I, in time? It,
0: apparently not, because... <laughs> everyone is like getting along like it's a super friendly ghost house now
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean it kind of ended that way too when they were having their christmas and everything
0: um i mean yeah i don't yeah i didn't like this part i not did, i didn't i don't like that tate like that was just easily explained away like that tate doesn't i mean tate was evil like he was not a good person no then... he was
1: like he was he had a lot of a lot of issues i don't <laughs> think this that was...
0: ending was deserved
1: well, you know, she just blows some magic powder in her face and it makes her yeah. see the light. Yeah, I don't know how I thought. I mean, clearly what they wanted to do was give us, we get resolutions with Ben and Vivian. We get resolutions with Tate and um, Moira. Uh, Violet. We get Moira's resolution. It was like, it was basically Everyone's they wanted getting, to put... Yeah. It felt, it, felt, it felt a little bit like they just wanted to put a big bow on the murder house and be like, okay, we did this. Yep. We, you know, we're going to go 15 minutes over on this episode to just tie up all the loose ends in this house. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> a couple questions before we actually give it a grading. Did you feel bad for Michael at any point in the episode? I've talked about it myself. I'm wondering if you have. And then I also want your uh, your take on Cody Fern a little bit because I know you said that this episode you kind of were a little question- bit questioning his acting. Yeah.
0: I don't have any sympathy for Michael. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just know what he becomes, and he is pure evil. Like he. You know there's a point where ben harman says he wants to be good and i never bought that i i never see him wanting to be good i see him being socialized into uh society where you have to have manners and things like that but i never see him wanting to be good or not recognizing that killing things is evil no one really corrected him on that um and i he i guess he wasn't really doing that with ben when he was ben was trying to play dad um and as far as Cody Fern, I thought he did a decent job when um, Jessica Lang or when Constance uh, had uh, OD'd on—I think she was she was taking like fentanyl pills or something—but uh, he did. He had some good moments like that, and I thought he did a, as good of a job as he could have um, when he was doing at, at the post choking scene when Constance and him are kind of like communicating. He asks for a glass of water. It's okay in there. Uh, but then when he's trying to portray, you know, the Michael as, a you know, a, a six-year-old in a large body, it came a little goofy and stilted to me and just didn't feel very natural, like like I'm watching such, Tom Hanks yeah. Big. So I just had some few issues there. But what, uh, I don't know, what did you think about him? I know you've got sympathy for him.
1: I, yeah, I had sympathy to him. But I, I, as far as his acting goes, I think that's a fair take. I think that's a very hard role to have where you're being yeah. a six-year-old in an adult's body. But I think it could be pulled off potentially and he doesn't do a fantastic job at it. I think he does, like you said, an okay job. There's yeah. brighter parts and there's not as good parts. I think he's a lot better in the modern iteration. Not though even the one that's at the Warlock School. When we're jumping all the way back to the post-apocalypse, is like the long-haired creepy Michael. Yeah, I, I think so I think that's a much better fit for him. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is what's your overall evaluation that this is Sarah Paulson's, you know, first directed episode, isn't it? Isn't this the first one I, she's I, done I for the series? Is, yeah.
0: Her first episode. I thought she did a great job. I'm very happy with it. She hit all those kind of traditional classic American Horror Story angles, you know, from like up in the corner of the room or far away. Uh, right through above. through the eye hole of the door. Yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. Like she had she hit those really well, and then she did a good job framing people's faces, kind of dead on, uh, straight on a few times too, which I liked. Um, I think, and I don't know how much of a say she has in a lot of the editing process, but it, I think parts of it could have been trimmed down a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't think but, it needed to be an hour and fifteen. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Um, but I I hope she gets to direct more. It, it was she did a great job. What did you think?
1: I agree with you I think that she like you know this is her first directing episode and I think that she was not maybe as stylistic as we've seen some of the directors be in terms of like she she did do some like a lot of classic stuff but she didn't do anything crazy which I think is totally fine if, you know she's Trying to do service to season one, and I thought that she did a great job of doing that with a lot of the camera angles. When I said mentioned that, like eye hole through the eye hole of the door, that's mm-hmm. a, like a pretty. I feel like in season one, that's a that's a one we get a lot is like people are peering through the eye hole of the door to see who's there all the time, and we got that a number of times here. And I felt like that was a fun kind of, yep. you know, subtle throwback to to that and everything, a homage I guess to to yeah. season one episode. So I thought she did a terrific job. I really appreciated it. Uh, are you ready to give a rating, or is there yeah. something else you want to bring up?
0: Yeah, no, I I, uh, I think I covered exactly like all the feelings I had about it. I don't have a lot to summarize. Um, I thought one thing we didn't talk too much about is I think music was used really well in this episode. It was fun to hear some of those songs. Uh, I appreciated that. Um, I do think part of it feels a little um, like we have, I mean, this whole episode is exposition, which is great. And I like that we have a few character guides through it. I think it was too long, Um, and I think that some of the closure that the ghosts got were a little too happy and wrapped up with a bow, which is unnecessary. Um, That being said, some of them I did like. Overall, I I give this, uh, it started off really high and then it went lower, and I'm I'm landing it at um, a solid four Virginia Slims. Out of five, which is what I've given the last three episodes, because it's holding consistently for me, and I and I like that. What do you What do you give it?
1: So I'm going to preface this rating with I it, I have a I had a really high bar for this episode. This is my sure. favorite season. I was so excited to go back to it and get a lot of the same feels. I had a terrific time revisiting a lot of our characters, mm-hmm. um, even though we only got them in small doses. I really enjoyed that, and that it was a huge plus for me. Um, I agree with you that I wasn't thrilled about some of the, like, tidy ways that we ended, you know, Violet and Tate and Ben and Vivian and that kind of thing. Um, But those didn't bother me that much. I was a little bit more annoyed by the extra little segment with Moira at the end with her mother because that just seemed like it wasn't necessary. And I was especially annoyed to have Billy Dean Howard back when it totally felt like not only was it unnecessary, it was like she just happens to be here. Does she come here all the time? This doesn't make any sense. So that part, I, that like bothered me more than it probably should have. You know, why? she's the director's
0: bothered. pet. <laughs> or she's the director
1: herself. I guess so, like, that's, that's absolutely the case. She wanted to be in, in a little bit. I wish that Sarah would have just focused on only directing for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that said, it was a very small portion of the episode, so it didn't take away that much, but it took away, like, I just really wanted that super grand constant sentence, excuse me, entrance, and it took a touch away from that. I um, thought we got some great backstory on Michael. We're continuing to get all this backstory on him. I'm now about ready for the story to start moving forward again. Yeah, we need to see. Be- we've been moving backwards from the beginning. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, all that being said, I'm going to give it a 3.75. I love seeing all okay. the characters, I was super excited about the house. It wasn't quite what I hoped it would be, but it hit a lot of the good points. So I So
0: seven that. full Virginia Slims and three quarters of a smoked uh, Virginia Slim. Seven yeah, like quarters. maybe
1: just the butt for that yeah. last one. <laughs> or no, I guess it would be just a barely Other side. smoked one. Yeah.
0: You, you ripped the filter off. Okay. <laughs>
1: um, so, <clears throat> side note before we talk about the preview for next episode real quick. Did you see that super creepy uh, candy commercial? That yeah,
0: I was- I did. <laughs>
1: I was like, "Wow, this is good." Yeah, I, thought, I was, was waiting like, for
0: it to be funny. All of a sudden, and it wasn't.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I thought that was great. I, I need to go check it out now. But yeah, the, 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 if you have, if you guys haven't seen it, the candy commercial with the elevator that happened like right before they showed the preview for next season—that mm-hmm. um, was pretty good. Was, it was like this like little short film, and I think there's an extended version online. It was really creepy. Um, dug that, but anyway. Fl- so, flash forward to next episode, episode seven. We're back in the Portion of the flashback that is still, um you know, the witches before anybody's died. I guess. Um, although I will say that in the, this flashback, Joan Collins is back, mm-hmm. which you know makes me wonder if she actually is a witch who gets her mind wiped as well, and then she's going to come back along with our other three that we already know are coming back. Or if um, she's a
0: different character.
1: Or if she's a different character. Although, I mean. It didn't look like they were doing that much to make her look like a different character, no. except maybe put her in different <laughs> clothes. Um, we also see the Dina connection, her coming in, which is good. We're getting a Dina Porter back, which is, mm-hmm. um, she's been absent for a while. And uh, we're seeing another character from Coven that we haven't seen, which I'm, this is actually one of my favorite characters from Coven that I'm excited to get back, which is Papa Legba, yep. which is going to be badass. I'm very excited for that. Um, we see some, like, BD Wong makes Ariel some kind of powder. Not sure what it does. Um, i don't know the one thing that i'm thinking at this point if we're still in this time period is like we're never gonna see the sanctuary (laughs) i know i I feel like we spend all this time like thinking unless it's unless it's just the last episode but like we kind of at the beginning it teases you because it's like oh we're gonna have this whole thing at the sanctuary and see all these. we're not going to the
0: sanctuary we should we should know this by now
1: yeah (laughs) <laughs> That's a little bit how I feel too. Well, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's still a chance the Sanctuary is the murder house. No, we're, we're not going to. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, I guess we can go ahead and say you know between now and next week, we would super appreciate it if you join us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash This American Horror Story and dive into the conversation with us. We've been having um, some great debates over all sorts of things, uh, throwing out theories. It's been fun. You can also email us at uh, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. And, of course, we sincerely appreciate it when you go onto iTunes and you give us a review. It um, continues to get more uh, visibility in front of new listeners and expand you know, the conversation to an even greater American Horror Story community. And at the end of the day, we're a community that just loves talking about this show, and, and it's a lot of fun. So thanks for joining us on that ride. Chris, where can people find you between now and next week?
0: Uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler?
1: I'm on Twitter at TJ Maslow. Thanks again for joining us, folks, and we will catch you next week for Episode 7. Signing off, and uh, happy hauntings.